Legs. Legs. This guy was kicking one of these with his fucking legs. Ah! Until Plaza was falling down. So what? Can he move like me? No. We got him. Hey there, fellow watchers. It's that time of the week again, Born to Watch. Never has a man acted so poorly, yet captivated a generation. His movies were the height of martial arts popcorn, and tonight we cover his second outing. Jean-Claude Van Damme's Kickboxer, I have to admit, was eagerly anticipated after the success of Bloodsport. In some instances, it didn't let us down. But in hindsight... How will this 1989 action dance spectacular fare? It spawned six sequels of which I have seen none. By this measure, you would think that Kickboxer was a martial arts masterpiece. Let's find out. Couldn't do a movie of this genre and subsequent quality without the two men I discovered this gem with. Born to Watch's very own Nook Sue Cows. G-Man... Welcome. Oh, great. Can't wait to do Kickboxer tonight. Good movie. Uh, <laughs> You're a fuckwit. <laughs> uh, yeah, look, right back in my roundhouse. Or oh, wheelhouse. nice. You I see like it. I, I see there. what you did there. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, a dance spectacular. That is that is apt. Yeah. Very apt. We'll, we'll, I'm sure we'll be dissecting that part of the movie. Oh, it's a shame Damo's not here to uh, dissect the, the, the famous bar dance scene, but... Uh, Anyway, we're going to go to our next greatest dancer of the foursome, Dan on the Land. How are you, mate? Do you guys like Letter Kenny? Uh, yeah, it's funny. I really like Letter Kenny. I've almost watched all the entire series now, and it actually has a uh, a spin off called Shawzy, which may even be better. So yeah, I think uh, Shawzy like, might be the, better. Yeah. The G and I have obviously spent a lot of time in Canada. Very very fond of our. Canadian brothers, but uh, yeah, it's it's just it's given me a nice bolt back to our time over there. G, I've been watching all of those episodes, and um, I'm fast running out and, and becoming quite emotional about it. So, if we if you're looking to for something I've, to watch, yeah, I have only watched bits of Letterkenny, but I've got a fair bit of travel coming up, so maybe that'll get on the rotation. Oh, there's for the plane. It's, from what I've from what I've seen, Dan, there's just a lot of three people sitting around bagging the shit out of other people. It's it's really good. It's uh, there's three groups. There's the 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 Hicks, the Skids, and the hockey players, and it basically just flits between those three groups, and they interact, and they can um, they converge and diverge throughout, and it's yeah, it's just very funny. But the uh, the Jared, the uh, the writer and co-star, he's he's done extremely well to tap into what we love about Canada, but I think even more the intricacies of Canadians view themselves with. So, yeah, if we go and watch that, do not watch Kickboxer, go and watch that. <laughs> well, it's quite funny on that note that uh, Johnny Bull put a message up in the Watchers Unite Facebook group saying that uh, he was not doing his homework because he's going to a Q&A kickboxer session at the Hayden Orpheum in March. I saw that. So he chose to watch something else. Now... 
maybe he should have watched it now and then he could have just sold the tickets for the kickboxer Q&A. But anyway, <laughs> Tong Po's going to be there to say good day. So, look, overs and unders, it's, it's a 1989 movie, 35 years old. Going to be pretty conservative with this because I think we would have watched this quite a lot as young men, teenagers and young men. I'm going to set it at 20. I think that's pretty conservative considering that we would have smashed it early on. Daniel, over or unders 20? And do you remember seeing it for the first time? No, I mean, no, obviously. But it, well, we've, obviously, <laughs> we've seen it a lot. And it was on hugely high rotation back in the, uh, the 80s and 90s. So I, uh, I, I did. I actually started watching it and had a wave of nostalgia trickle over me and uh, was very fond and thought, ah, there we go. And then the exposition started. But our mother raised me in Europe, and that's oh why God. I have this <laughs> accent. But our father raised you in America. That's why you are American accent. Like, oh, fuck. I was like, what's happening here? Just start yeah. fighting, please. Um, yes. So that was that was something I wasn't expecting. But, uh, yeah, I, look, I've seen it 20 times, but I haven't seen it in 30 years. Yeah, okay. Uh, G-Man, this this would have been a huge favourite of yours. Yeah, I've seen it at least 20 times, but not in 30 years, exactly the same as Morgs. We watched this on high rotation all the time. Yeah. But, I mean, back then, that's all you had, right? Like, And a lot of quotes. Had, you only had movies to watch. Yeah, yeah and a lot of quotes, you know. Like, uh, I, I chuckled a lot when they said a few things in there, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, uh, yeah, look, I, I'm, over, I'm north of 20, obviously. And I'm the same. I reckon I've not seen Kickboxer for 20 years. And I've seen Bloodsport. Like, Bloodsport's a yearly watch for me, easily. And this this was a rough watch for me. This was a really, really, really rough watch. You watch the last 15 minutes. This is kind of like watching Bloodsport. There's a mate. few slow motion screams. There's a few, there's a few flexes oh, and poses. Mate. It's incredible, isn't it? <laughs> it's incredible. Okay, gentlemen, let's watch Kickboxer trailer. The most powerful boxers don't fight in New York or Las Vegas. They live and die in a world of their own. Eric, don't do it. To underestimate a fighter like this is dangerous. I saw the look in his eyes. This guy is crazy. He's fucking crazy. To face them in the ring is suicide. I'm the best. of his brother, a man must enter this world alone. May I help you? I want Don. And I want you to teach me Muay Thai. And learn the art of humility. It's very different in America. Your defense stinks. Of faith. Just listen. With your mind, your heart, your whole being. And vengeance. Your brother. Remember? It takes a lifetime to master the art of survival. You're going to fight Tom Paul? Kurt Sloan has a matter of months. From the makers of Bloodsport, a new film starring Jean-Claude Van Damme. I will not fight for you. 
not going to let you out of that ring alive. The Movie Group presents Jean-Claude Van Damme in Kickboxer. It takes one to kill one. One to kill one. Oh, my God. One of the greatest uh, lines in the, in the history of of trailers it takes one to kill one what does it even mean i what don't does it mean yeah. It. I, yeah. yeah he doesn't kill him does he does I he know. kill him no 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 which he makes him say mate doesn't he yeah which <laughs> which begs the question <laughs> he he i just was watching that and i'm thinking he's he's paralyzed his brother and then he's taking he's taking him on in combat and beating him up pretty much and then walked off and they're all happy with that that's the net outcome yes that he got to beat him up. Yeah. Well, it's payback. You got to be concerned when the production house is called the movie group. I think that's got to be con- some concern. A lot of thought has gone into that. Anyway, G-Man, you've almost just given us a synopsis. Why don't you take us through what uh, the movie's actually about? All right, straight off the back of the DVD cover. Eric Sloan is crowned the world kickboxing champion following his tremendous victory in the U.S. national competition. Proclaiming that he will now take on the best in the world, Eric and his brother Kurt head to the Far East for a showdown with the legendary Tong Po. As the bout begins, Eric is outclassed by the vicious tie. To assert his dominance, Tong Po cripples Eric in a horrifying and unnecessary act of gratuitous violence. Kurt swears revenge, but the only way to avenge his brother is to tackle Tong Po in the ring. This sets Kurt on a journey of new discovery to learn the unorthodox methods needed to take on the invincible Thai killer and become the legendary white warrior. Nook Su Kao. Yeah, okay. All right. Well, I'll take your word for that. Sounds pretty deep. Critical thinking. Daniel, question. What do you think this rates on IMDb? Oh, I don't. Think it's going to rate terribly highly. I'm. It's going to be. It's going to be. I under five. Yeah. Okay. I, I was surprised. This is six point four out of ten. Oh. Okay. I was actually surprised at how high this rating was for this movie on IMDb. Now, tomato meter thirty six percent on the tomato meter. Wow. With a sixty four percent audience score, which marries IMDb. Interesting. Got a couple of reviews here, and it was very difficult to find any glowing braise. But here's a good review from Jeff Andrew of Time Out. Don't see it for psychological complexity, social comment, acting, plot, or humor. Go, if you must, <laughs> just for kicks. <laughs> oh, nice. Nice. Well played. That was a good well review. That was a good review. Now, I've actually got two bad reviews because one is is pretty funny. Variety staff, uh, the Variety magazine. Combine Karate Kid and Rocky with a bit more blood and gore, dull direction and a smattering of inept actors and you have Kickboxer. Okay. That'll do it. That's one. <laughs> Chris Willman of the LA Times. This may not be the dumbest action picture of the year, but it's not for lack of trying. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> oh, man. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's mind-blowing. Gal, 
ordinary people take us through this deep cast. Yeah, we, we won't go won't go to it. We've talked about Jean-Claude before. You know, he's born as Jean-Claude Camille Francois Van Varenberg. Yeah, that's, My that's a mouthful. <laughs> that's exactly what I thought. <laughs> <laughs> But we know he was born in Brussels. Uh, but he moved to, in '81 to Los Angeles and took English classes. He worked. He worked there as a as a car buyer, pizza delivery man, limo driver, all sorts of jobs. And he he was he got in with Chuck Norris somehow, and he got a job as a bouncer at, at Chuck's club, at a club that he owned. And um, he, he got a small role out of that in Missing in Action in '84. Okay. Must have been a terribly small role. Must have been small. Uh, but he didn't get any attention out of that. But then he got. In 84, he got the role as Ivan in one of the great movies of all time. No Retreat, No Surrender? Exactly. Yep. Classic, classic movie. Um, after that, he got he got the role in Bloodsport, but you know that was filmed in Hong Kong and it, they filmed that in 86 and it was shelved for two years because it was so bad. Yeah. Uh, right. uh, Bloodsport is gone with the wind in comparison to kickboxer yeah. <laughs> but this is the thing that got shelved right then they, a couple of years ago they they sort of got a hold of it and then they finally released it um but it only had a 1.5 million dollar budget but it became a, a bit of a, a a sleeper hit in 88 that's what's amazing right. so we gave, what, it, we gave it a pretty shit review i went back and checked the review we gave for bloodsport got shit 2.5 we've given it but man, it's fun it's good it's good movie. Well, when yeah. you compare the two of them yeah it's fun that had about it made about 30 million worldwide right and then that's that sort of pushed John Claude up. So then after that, he was he had uh, he was in Cyborg in '89, and Kickboxer in '89 as well. Cyborg, you know his character name was. Please tell me, Gibson Rickenbacker. Yeah, he, <laughs> he fought, <laughs> Cyborg is um is the guy from Point Break, Warchild. Ah, yes, yes, with yes. those piercing eyes. They've got to be uh, they've got to be contacts. His eyes, those. Glassy blue eyes, <laughs> but look, look for Jean Claude. Obviously, he's he's fairly limited. We go we go from kickboxer to death warrant, double impact, universal soldier, last action hero, hard target. He made he made some reasonable movies like Death Warrant's not bad. That's one where he's in the prison, yep. and it's also got uh, the girl, the young blood girl. What's her name? Daniel, come on, who's the girl? Uh, Cynthia Gibb. Cynthia Gibb he plays his partner. He's a policeman. She's his partner, and they fall in love and have a conjugal visit, right? Uh, in the in the in the jail, he's made a couple. Re- sudden deaths, not sudden, bad. Sudden death, ninety five. Mate, he also made Street Fighter. Yeah, okay, that's not in the good pile. <laughs> With our Kylie, Kylie Minogue, he plays Guile, the German, uh, the uh, the Belgium American soldier. In he does. So Fighter. I met, I met Kylie Minogue not, uh, not uh, fairly recently. And she's in her fifties now, still super hot. Yeah, I can see that. And tiny, like yeah, yeah, tiny. She had tiny if, human. Now, it, it regardless of whether you are a, a a tits or an ass man when it comes to women, because we're usually one or the either. It's not very rarely we're both, but she had. One of the best behinds in the history. Her ass was incredible. Still probably is. Michael Hutchins liked it on the Qantas flight. Winked at Bob Hawke. Isn't that the story? I've never heard that story. You heard that story? Where they were boning in the they were boning in first class and 
he put a blanket over the top and Kylie was, and they were getting busy with it. And uh, Bob Hawke looked at him and Michael Hutchins winked at him. That's the story. That's wow. the urban legend. Okay. Michael Hutchins. I like mate. Michael oh. Hutchins. I like his do. I've always, I always try and get to the length of his do and then I get sick of it and I have to chop it off a bit. But yeah. one day I'll, I'll do it. Mate, well, you're, getting, you're getting pretty close now, Morgs, I'd say, aren't you? Oh, I've just, this is, longer? A, I've, I've had a, I've had a massive haircut. Yeah, it was. Um, yeah, his is kind of yeah about here. So, I uh, I haven't okay. haven't been able to retain the retain the frost to get there. But one day, one day I'll sack up. Unlike well, most then, people, my hair is getting more luscious by the year. It is. I'm. It's one of the few things. Actually, probably the only thing that I might have some pang of jealousy about you is. Definitely, uh, <laughs> it's definitely your life. Oh, you've you've always looked wistfully at my massive sack. <laughs> it's more your calves. Your calves are what do it for me, and your hairy legs. That's it. You've only ever Wardy. Uh, shout out to Andrew Ward. He's the only one with a longer sack. Um, <laughs> and then obviously, then there's Nick Nolte who just takes you all down. Mm. That's uh, it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, G man. Well, we'll keep going. Look, a quick, a quick stat for you about uh, about John Claude Van He's actually been called the Fred Astaire of karate. Well, the by, rumor was by himself. By oh himself. my god! Oh my god! Uh, I was going to say he can't possibly be calling himself a dancer after what he did in the bar, drunken <laughs> dancing in Thailand well, amongst my, uh, all the dudes. One of the best scenes in the history of cinema, and I, I read a funny story of watching uh, uh, Tom Segura and Bert Kreischer, their their, uh, their podcast, which is Two Bears, Two Bears, One K. Very good. Very, very, very good. funny and very, very funny guys. Hilarious mm. guys. And uh, they were telling us, they were, I think Tom Segura was interviewing a guy and they were talking about uh, Stephen Seagal and saying that, they obviously heard the story about Seagal coming up to Sylvester Stallone and saying to him, to Stallone, I've just read the greatest script ever written. And Stallone said to him, well, who wrote it? And he goes, I did. <laughs> <laughs> and it's a true oh. story. True story. Right? And, and I think that this Seagal and Van Damme are the two of the greatest self-promoters. I think in Hollywood history, they they have always been their own greatest fans. Yes. Um, all I right, mean, let's move on. There's no okay. doubting that. Or just just to, to close out on yep. JCVD, he's beautiful on film. Yep. Like he is an incredibly. The camera loves him. He's it's his body is just. Uh, I mean, it reminds me of a young Mac Gowan just before he got onto the Yummy Drummy Rolls and Sausage Roll Rolls. <laughs> Double, double uh, back in about double jumpy rolls in '91, but yeah, he and obviously the the talent he has for stage kickboxing, for movie kickboxing, is is unquestionable. He he looks really good on film. It is when they try and get him to speak in one of the four languages as he claims to speak. I think it is the one that he speaks the least that they chose to hero for him. Unfortunately, yeah, he's a he's definitely would have been a really good uh, foreign film actor. He would have been big in, mm. like in the Belgium film industry. He would have been massive. Big in Brussels. Yeah, big massive. in Brussels. Aunt, Aunt Verpen, he's massive. Dennis Alexiou, Dennis the Terminator Alexio. Did he name himself? No, but he was actually, he was a heavyweight kickboxing champion. So he had quite a quite a strong record. Pedigree. Pedigree. Quite a, yes, pedigree is the word we're looking for. Yeah. Um, 
and won a lot of his fights by knockout and was actually good friends with Jean-Claude Van Damme, but didn't star in a lot of movies after that. He was in a movie called Picasso Trigger. Played Toshi Lum in 88 and Love was in a trigger. show called Super Force. Now, apart from that, not much else. And as you go through the rest of the cast, I don't want to spend too much time. Like Dennis Chan, who played the Shidoshi. Zien. Um, Zien. Yeah, he wasn't. Miyagi. He was in Kickboxer 2, Kickboxer 3. Might have been in some of the other kickboxers. And really? most of the cast were too, yeah. Um, I know that uh, Michelle Quizzy, who played uh, Tong Po, Miley. was in that as well. No. Actually, i just like yeah. to get back to Dennis Chan. One of Dennis Chan's early roles is 88. He was in a movie, he played the spirit world keeper in a movie called Double Fattiness. Now, <laughs> I thought, when I first saw I thought it might have been one of Morgz's ones when he wrote when we were traveling because he. I think it's one of my movies. It's my biography. Cheese <laughs> Fat Morgz is a good bloke. Fat Morgz was a good bloke. Cheese was a good bloke to travel. Actually, talk, having that conversation with someone uh, last week about. Someone asked, it was about the podcast and said something about Dan. And I go, look, the problem with Dan. He said he was a much better bloke when he was fat. Yeah. Such a great bloke. What are we talking about? Anyway, 2002 through. You were an. Mate, well, earlier than that, Morgs. Earlier than that, Morgs. When mate, you had the Heathrow injection. There was, uh, you, were a, no, well, you, you were a legend famously. bloke. You were a legend bloke from like late 80s to early noughties. Right? I think you. I didn't. Uh, I didn't get you, the um, – geez, when, it, when I turned up to London that time and ran into Jut Smith, friend of the podcast, he uh, he definitely slimmed down somewhat with the, between Australia and uh, and the UK. <laughs> that was a lifestyle choice, with the, though. With the flashing pants. Oh, those were the days. <laughs> just about fat morgues. I just want to put it put it to bed, all right? Fat morgues okay. is a fuckwit. Skinny morgues is a fuckwit. Tell you what. Let's move on. Tell you what. Fat Morgs loved the bed, mate. He loved a bit of larding. Oh, Fat Morgs did fuck all. Oh, yeah, he loved it. Yeah. Fat Morgs would say, have had no problem. More... Yeah, he would have had no problem doing a podcast on a Saturday morning. There would have been no complaints. He would have done no. it from his bedroom. Oh. Yeah. But yeah, definitely. Wait, with a messy hangover. A double, a double cheeseburger <laughs> meal. Pre, with a pre-double oh. cheeseburger, he'd love it. Which he would have eaten on his own. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Solo. Yeah. yeah. All right. Just quickly. Um the actor that played Tong Po, Michael Kiz- Michelle Kizzy, was was actually a mate of Jay Jean Claude Van Damme. Well, he was in Bloodsport. He was in Bloodsport, and he was he. They signed a couple of movies that he did, but he he wasn't actually appearing all of them because he was actually a choreographer on this. When they the production crew said they needed a tall Asian looking guy with some Muay Thai, <laughs> so he actually got the role. So that actually made him up to to look like that. Yeah, he's Moroccan. Yeah, yeah. Um, so he wasn't credited though. If you notice, he was he was actually dubbed as Tong Po in the movie because they was? gave him the makeup. Yeah. Tongpo as himself. Yep, Tongpo as himself. He was also in Kickboxer too. So, but uh, yeah. Anyway, that's it. We'll leave that there for the cast. Yeah, well done. What about? Uh, Can Gina, I just say, Gal, the box office? Or before before we go on, it might be it might be for later on, Gal. But where do you rank Muay Thai amongst the martial arts? Oh, look, it became massive after this movie. Around this time in the yeah. late eighties, Muay Thai became really, really big. Yeah, this was probably a, a big catalyst for, for sure. it. Absolutely, I'd never heard of it before this. Muay Thai still what has did... a lot of. Um... So Jean Claude Van Damme was Shotokan Karate. Okay. Not, he... not dissimilar what was, to what, what I used to do, but uh, but you know he was he was yeah. What, what did Mark Rebel and some others? What did Mark yeah. Rebel? What, was he, what did he <laughs> espouse? Mark Rebel. Mark, Mark Rebel espoused uh, Shotokan Rau Karate. Yeah, so he was my Shidoshi. 
god, yeah. Oh. That'll never die. <laughs> so fucking bad. <laughs> Uh, Jesus. But yes, so they slight, slightly different. Um, you know, we didn't have all those tappy kicks that John Claude liked so much. Yeah, he loves a tappy kick, doesn't he? Da, 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 da. His brother didn't like him. No, mate, George didn't like George Alexi, you didn't like yeah, him. No, you gotta have the power. George, the, it's Dennis Alexi, isn't it? With the money comes the power. Yeah. Can't say George Alexi. One of our listeners will Start having PTSD if we say George Alexiou. That's his brother. That is Ran his rampant brother. through the is... eastern suburbs, second grade side. Did, did. What about the budget, Gal? What did they spend to make this movie? Budget was, well, worldwide this grossed $14.7 on a budget of $1.5 Very similar to Bloodsport. Opening weekend grossed $4.1 So it made its money back straight away and was a bit of a... Bit of a hit. Well, they would have thought they were onto something, and then it yep. made another ten million. Yeah, that's and right. Like, well, after Bloodsport made thirty, they might have thought, "Hang yeah. on, here we go." Yeah. Okay. Well, you'll still take that. That's making money. Some well, look, some yeah. people got rich with this. So it didn't really rank in the highest movies. The other eighty nine movies we've been through eighty nine before. Driving Miss Daisy won Best Picture. Oliver Stone won Best Director for Born on the Fourth of July. You had Daniel Day Lewis for My Left Foot in the acting. Jessica Tandy driving Miss Daisy. Um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade was the highest grossing movie with 474 million. Batman, Batman at 411. Back to the Future Part 2. Look who's talking. Lethal Weapon 2 was that year. Dead Poet Society. A lot of movies coming out there. License to Kill. Gina, you are leading. Black Rain, what a movie. You are leading straight into Hit Sleeper Dud. I've got the hit for this year. And it is Heathers, Renona Ryder, Christian Slater, something out of the ordinary, a Westberg high where cliques rule, jocks dominate, and all the popular girls are named Heather. It's going to take a Veronica and a mysterious new kid to give teen angst a body count. Renona Ryder and Christian Slater are great in this movie. It's really black. It's a really black comedy. It's excellent. Uh, I watched it not long ago. It still holds up. A bit of, bit of cow tipping, uh, Christian Slater. Thinks he's one of the coolest kids on the planet. You've all seen Heather's, haven't you? Yeah, we? I have seen it. I've only ever seen it once or twice a long time ago. He was pretty cool back. That was Christian Slater in his moment, Ooh, yeah, wasn't that's, it? Yeah, that's right in the head. That's pump up the volume. Broken Arrow, kind of. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, not far away from not that. Far away. Dan, your thoughts on Heather's? Good. Excellent. Yeah, good choice. Yeah. Uh, very watchable. Very much a snapshot of its time. Uh, we'd encourage yes. all of the efforts to check it out again for sure. Yep. Uh, G-Man, what is The Sleeper? A long time ago, I mentioned this one, and it's it's a cracker. It's called Chopper Chicks in Zombie Town. <laughs> That's the sleeper. <laughs> it could be a dud, could be a sleeper. Depends on your point of view. Four point one IMDb rating. Well, that's a dud. Only got three reviews on the tomato meter. Oh, Big Bad rocks and her cycle sluts roar into a town <laughs> where a mad scientist makes the living dead. Stars Jade Rose from Falcon, Jade Rose from Falcon Crest, and Billy Bob Thornton makes a little appearance oh, in it as well. Yeah, wow. so yeah, well cracker, done, G, cracker man. of a movie. Well done, well done, Daniel the Dud. Yeah, I, look, we've done nineteen eighty nine a few times now. I think Roadhouse was eighty nine, and definitely yep. gone through. So I, I dug a little deeper, but this one coming in at number seventy three was a particularly uh, big dud of the year. Stars uh, the Belgian Jean Claude Van Damme, uh, kickboxer from nineteen eighty nine. So <laughs> look, just just a really shit movie. Um, would, would 
would uh, I mean, you guys' thoughts on kickboxer? Yeah, look, I'm going to save a lot of my thoughts for a bit later on, but I'm I'm sliding your way, Daniel. I'm tending to agree a bit with you. Tending to agree. Excellent. Uh, that's it. That's my dad. Okay. It's a good dance movie. Yeah, it is a good dance movie. Damn, I love it. Is it though? Uh, fucking hell. Question time. You would assume there would be slightly more fanfare for the Eric Tong Po fight. It just seems like it's in a like he's the world champ. They're both world champs. You'd think just seems like it's a backdoor fight. One, one of my one that was I think I had it in my bad was why was this the third to last fight on the card? Because when he gets knocked out and they go out and what's his name? Haskell or the Jackson. 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 Jackson says to me, he goes, there's two more fights to go. And I was like, yeah. how can, how can the, the king of Tong Po, the king of Thailand, and, and the world champion be the third to last fight on the card? <laughs> yeah, I found it I found it very, what, very odd. Why is the world champion, ISK world champion, traveling with just his brother and no entourage? Yep. Nothing. There's a lot of questions. There's a lot of questions, G-Man. So um, I found that really odd. Yeah, I found that quite funny. Yeah, okay. Yep. Right. Also, sorry. Also, he turns up knowing nothing about Tong Po's opponent. Yes. Doesn't do any background. Just turns up. Yep. yep. Wiggles the shoulders. Uh, there, and, and there's an opportunity there in the park where they're talking about their upbringings and the most exposition scene in the history of cinema, where they talk about nothing we don't care about. Maybe tell us a bit about Tong Po. Yeah. Maybe tell us a bit about Tong Po. So even in Thailand, surely you can't intentionally paralyze someone in a sanctioned fight and get away with it. Well, even better, they just dump him out the door. Yeah, it's obviously, obviously Henry Lee, who's running the town, uh, is uh, you know, <laughs> him just giving him to just put him outside. Wait, it's it was like it was cockfighting. They yes, just dump him out and go. Ah, oh, he's gone. Well, it was, it was like the uh, Rambo three stick fight. That's it was that sort of thing, yeah. right? It's a joke. Yeah, the world champion just gets thrown out on his back. Yeah, you, you, yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not ideal. It's not ideal. Okay, so then, so then, has there ever been an actor that makes lifelong friends quicker in their movies than John Claude Van Damme? So in Bloodsport, yeah, he's, he's mates with no, it's Jackson in Melbourne Bloodsport, Jackson, yeah. and this is Taylor. Taylor, that's right. Taylor. Taylor. So and like he knows them for three minutes, and they're they're like best mates, blood brothers. Yeah, yeah, he's he's very quick. It's like Morg's traveling. <laughs> oh, mate, the king, the king, the king. absolute king is. A JCVD movie better the more acting responsibility he has. He's got a lot of lines in this movie compared to Bloodsport. He talks a lot in this movie compared to more, and he tries, and there's quite a bit of emotionality in it. Is the movie better for that? Then no, I mean a, a hard no. As I said before, he's he's more of a visual movie star than an audio movie star, and this this yeah, he's very much out of his depth. He does have to carry the weight of some of the emotions and and um, establish some of the themes, I guess, of the movie. And it's it's pretty clunky, and he's pretty awful. And I would much rather just see him kick pads and. Uh, it kicked little palm trees. It definitely yes. is wasted using his mouth. Yeah, yeah, agreed. I think they missed a trick. And this might be in, you know, might maybe it's a part for when we say, you know, what, what is there anything else you'd like to see in this movie? But during the exposition scene, they could have gone back and got, you know, young Kurt, 
like they did in Bloodsport because they could have got some master <laughs> and, and brought his talents back to the screen. <laughs> that that is something like that. You know, they they missed a trick there. G, well played. Yeah. I would have loved to have seen the, the worst child actor in the history of child actors go again. Get another go. How many times do you kick that palm tree before you tell old mate to fuck off? I don't reckon I was kicking it that many times. No, I felt I felt every kick on my little. Uh, if you think my calves are bad, my shins are worse. And yeah, I, I would have snapped, snapped oh, tip fib in a half. I think eight. you got sharp shins though, Morgs. You might have just sliced through it. Yeah, <laughs> they are. Uh, they're definitely boony, but no, fuck that. And and then he's and then it's like the next day he's just stuffing at him. Yeah, I know. At that time, his leg looked horrible, like it's all bruised Mate, and broken. Look, and the next yeah. day, he's just wandering around. Yeah, my Lee, my Lee had talking, the deft touch. She did. I was talking to a friend, friend of the podcast, Nick Torpy, and his nephew actually had a fight in Thailand uh, within the last twelve months, and I watched a bit of it on YouTube. You know, it was a it was a really good fight. Obviously, less sensationalised than what we see in this film, but the amount of leg kicks to to each other's leg kicks, low leg kicks, was astonishing. And he actually won the fight, but the next day he he couldn't walk. Like, and that was in a proper regulated uh, fight where you're kicking a human being, not a tree. Yeah, so yeah exactly. I can't, yeah. I can't even imagine what's what that's like. Yeah, no, they can have that. You can have There's that. no way you're kicking the tree down. I mean, that kind of thing never happened at Cromer Community Centre, I'll tell you. I mean, What about the pylons? No. Did you kick the pylons? Yeah, no. Now, we used to have, um, like, uh, like fence palings. Oh. The ground at the back with a Band-Aid oh. on them. <laughs> with the yeah, Band-Aid. Right. Oh. That's where I honed my, you know, that's where you go with the power, not with the tappy stuff. That's where you went with the power. I thought I often used to see uh, your Satoshi Mark Revel down at Clark Rubber getting pool pool noodles for you guys. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know how they used you know how they used to have the fire sticks. We used to use the pool noodles. <laughs> oh my god. Oh, the way of the water. Good. The way of the, the way of the noodle. <laughs> the way of the noodle. Uh, okay, well done, gentlemen. Uh born to watch only fans. Uh we, we've we've had a we've had a shout out for the last few weeks about leaving reviews and, and getting in touch and, and it's starting to happen. And as such, we've things are starting to, to happen in regards to the listenership, which is great. But we've got a review which left on Apple Podcasts on the 8th of February. Uh, Five-star F-wits. Get on this pod weekly. Best breakdown of your favourite movies out there. Maddie and the team deliver an eclectic array of whimsical fanfare and humour capped off with a weekly masterclass in songwriting and vocal performance delivery. Stay gold, F-wits. Now, if, if I can have a guess about who wrote that review, <laughs> I think that might be Johnny Bull. <laughs> I think it might be okay. Johnny Bull. Good on you, Johnny. And, Johnny, I want you to reach out after listening to this because I know you listen to every single episode because you're a legend. And let me know if that was you, because it, it, there's no. It's got hashtag fuckwit training. <laughs> yeah, that sounds like it could be Johnny. Could be, could be Johnny, Good on you, mate. But uh, please share to your friends, uh, your homework member, three people. Tell three people. It's all happening.
the good, the bad, and the ugly. Daniel, we're going to start with you for good. What have you got? Yeah, yeah. I look, I start when I started watching this. I, I mentioned before I had a very large nostalgia wave come over me, and I thought, "Fuck, I'm actually going to enjoy this." So it brought back really fond memories of Gao just asking me constantly, "Can he move like me?" No way. We got him. Like, we got him. I, I reckon for 15 years uh, and just and the, the amount of quotes out of this film are uh, surprisingly plentiful. So there, there was definitely some, some nice nostalgia in going back into 1989 when Tay-Tay was born and also when Kickboxer was born because of uh, <laughs> what it was able to produce. Yeah, it was a cruel summer. G-Man, what have you got for good? A good, um, well, obviously, for me, the good was, you know, the other week we did Scarface with one of the most iconic final scenes. Yeah, say hello hello to my little little friend. friend. Yeah, But could be outdone by the dance scene in Kickboxer as the most (laughs) iconic. That, for me, is the greatest moment of the movie, (laughs) is his dancing. I actually, Megan walked into the bedroom just as he walked into the bar and I said, can you sit down and watch this, please? And she was watching and she goes, is this guy fucking serious? And I was like, yeah. Why is he? Is he drunk? Yeah, he's drunk. It's so bad. I I love it. It's so good. I also love how they walked into the bar. And, you know, you've walked in a few bars that are dive or, you know, just little bars. And there's a few people drinking and having food. But I don't think I've ever walked into one where people just, there's a couple of people randomly slow dancing. Maybe it's our (laughs) lack of culture, but. I just don't know if I've ever been here where there's just two people dancing when there's six people Mate, in the bar. Mate, the bar's heaving. There's like 40 people in the bar. But, um, yeah, the, the other thing I did like about it was JCVD's opening get-up with the stonewash jeans. Incredible. With the stonewash matching vest. Vest jacket with armless. Yes. No shirt underneath. Yeah. That, uh, that's a cracker. I also, I'd also like to point out his... When when he when his brother wins the first world title in the US, he's wearing a Nike track top with sweatpants. Good. But but when they go to fight Tong Po, it's a whole new level. He wears the pleated pants with the belt oh. and the boat shoes and the tucked in shirt. I that's what he wears as his trainer. Yeah, I never understood his fashion choices, John Claude. So, the Harry yeah. High Pants is off the charts. Though. Unbelievable. Yeah. 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 And I'll, t- I'll tell you what, the, the dance scene when he wears the pleated slacks up high with the backless singlet, it, it's got... I'm not sure if it's not a unitard of some sort. It, I think it's a unitard. Yeah. I, I, I got a, I got, it's, got, it's got buttons under his sack. I like it clips it together under his yeah. sack. And it's actually and got... And it's got the boob high it, suspenders. It's, and it's, but it's got the clips like what suspenders would have. Yeah. It's, it's a very odd oh, choice. Mate, it's, it's fantastic. It's Fantastic. essentially he wears anything that shows off his body. Yeah. That's my good. Okay. Uh, I've got uh, another montage essentially to start the movie. So we have the fight, but then there's the whole montage with them going to uh, to Thailand, which I love a montage. I'm a sucker for it. Then the 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 fight for love montage. So when he's, he's out there finding, trying to find himself, <laughs> like it's just I, I, I'm, I'm both appalled and elated. When, when this stuff like this happens. Obviously, Stan Bush is credited with three songs in this in this movie, and, and they're all pretty good. They're very Stan Bush-ish. The last song. Yeah, okay. yeah, it is very good. Uh, the Eric, when he's training in the park, 
He's wearing a blue pair of Quicksilver board shorts. Yeah. Which I thought, yeah, they're pretty cool. They're very 80, 89, the short, the short shorts and, and sort of a bit billowy. I was like, yeah, that takes me back. Uh Tongpo kicking the cement pylon. The noise yeah. is fucking awesome. You just and that build up. I thought that was actually really well done. You can hear it and he goes and to look what it is, and then it's just him finding out what it is. And it's just like fuck. I remember that being pretty scary at the time. Yeah. You like, oh, no. No. This you, cannot, you cannot fight this guy. He's a fucking crazy. Give me the ace. Yeah. <laughs> uh, obviously, drunken dance fight. How can you, how can you not add it in there? I'll I tell you what I like about the drunken dance fight is he goes from drunken dance fight to totally blind during that fight. Mm. Yes. He's like Morgs. He goes at Morgs' speed. <laughs> he does. He goes, to, he goes to cartwheel time Mate, pretty quickly, and then he's got to he's got to take Jian back in the uh, pedicab. Yeah, that's right. And how he doesn't vomit is beyond me. So he's got a cast iron constitution. I thought that the set where he trains the Stone City is fucking awesome. Yep, looks amazing. Um, and there is no way that normal people are allowed into anything like that in Thailand. That would be a that would be like a temple or some area that you've got to pay tickets to get into. But I the thought sta- that the that statue setting- was impressive. The cross-legged statue that was I remember thinking the same thing. Wow, that's yeah. not something that we get to go up and and uh, and and see with our Panasonic's. That's that's weird. Yeah, so I thought that that whole setting was incredible, and obviously it's a it wasn't a built set. It was there, so it's pretty cool. That's that's about all I got. <laughs> Yeah, for, for good. Uh, G-Man, we'll go to bad for you. Well, we've kind of gone through most of my bad. You know, we talked about the world champ turning out to fight with knowing nothing about the opponent, being the third to last fight on the card. The other thing I found was, is it a bit odd that his brother's in hospital with a broken back, which the doctor has just come straight out and said, he'll never walk again. There's no sort of like, we'll do some remedial work and yep. see. He'll never walk again. And then he literally takes off and then goes out to the countryside for a few days. And and Taylor leaves him out and says, we'll be back in a few days. So when he does go back, we see that his brother has a fever and he's in hospital, not well. Yeah. But he's just taken off for days on it. Like he's gone and, and gone training. Mate, revenge. I thought it was really, really odd. Revenge is a dish best served piping hot in Kurt Sloan's eyes. Needs to be done straight away. Um, yeah. The other bad for me was quite laughable was the, the continual cutting to the eagle. Oh, my God. Oh, wow. Oh my god! The eagle it was great. What does it? What does it personify? I don't know. It's fair to say that the tone, the tone shifted scene to scene in this movie. Like they never landed on a on one tone throughout. It was it was bizarre, and that was certainly a ham-fisted attempt at adding some sort of uh, of spiritual. uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Some sort of theme of he's the hawk ready to uh, to to be born yeah. and to yeah. It's just that was Fuck. that was that was tough to swallow. Yeah, he's he's the all knowing hawk of some sort. Yeah, it was. Yeah, very very odd. Yeah. Okay, uh, Daniel, bad. Uh yes, I thought uh, of all of my bads. Look, I I I love Stan Bush. We've got a, a Stan Bush. 
this is one of his hero movies and and we weekly pay homage to Stan Bush by writing our own kick-ass credit song. But these particular songs had a lack of metaphor that is only rivaled by John Bon Jovi in their straightforward, what I'm saying is what I mean lyrics. Uh, yeah, I, but I loved every second of it. I thought they were all awesome and and the songs were definitely a highlight for me and Stan Bush is a god to us. But, yeah, they, they certainly, I don't know, Stan, Stan's ability to build – Built out a kick-ass credit song or a montage song or a just set up the scene song is unrivaled, but his lyrics definitely could could ha- have a bit more depth added for us to ponder and talk about them, not to not to just say, oh, okay, he's singing exactly what next is about to happen in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, fair enough. G Man, just did you have one more? Well, I had one. I have a question I'm gonna pose to Morgs first, but to both of you goes back to the, to the dance scene and and how drunk he was. Is JCVD Morgs, is he a worse fake drunk than our friend Tom Cruise? No. Excellent question, and I thought exactly the same thing. Tom Cruise has never, ever, ever been drunk, and JCVD has been drunk but just can't act. <laughs> okay. Do you, do you I, not, do, I do like that, Morgs. Well done. Do you not think that... Tom Cruise once sat down at the round table at the Church of Scientology with David Miscavige and his wife before she went missing and and had a few wines. You don't think that happened? Never, never. (laughs) Never has it touched his lips. If he can come up with his version of a drunk person in A Few Good Men after ever, ever imbibing, then we need to rethink Tom Cruise as the biggest movie star of the last 40 years. What about Cocktail? When he, when he starts equally as bad, <laughs> that's equally as bad. You on me. <laughs> uh, no, okay, good question, right. but yeah, JCVD J- just slightly shitter. And that's more of a reflection on the acting chops rather than the ability to sink piss chops, I think. That's right. Look, he may have even, I don't know if you've, you guys have tasted whiskey in Southeast Asia, but it doesn't get aged in an oak barrel for 12 years. It <laughs> could, they use it as fire retardant and, uh, and, and as uh, pesticide and as a, a myriad of other uses because it, it is only, um, it, 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 it is only brewed for a, about 10, 15 minutes before it is in the bottle. So it's heinous, and uh, I could understand that that would send someone loopy, yes. Yeah, fair enough. Okay. So, G-Man, you touched on uh, Kurt Sloan's get-up with the double denim and the and the vest. I'm not sure that's the your go-to in Bangkok. Like denim in general, uh, it blows Cream me away. pants? Like, he wore pants. long pants the I whole mean, time. So my so Daniel, sweat would be off the charts. Unbelievable. But we we mm. took a trip to Indonesia in the middle of the last year. Did you pack one pair of long pants? I no can't chance. remember the last time I wore long pants. It's not Mate, <laughs> yeah, not like, necessarily. And this is it. Mm. Is this a is this a move? It's a trope. Dressing in long pants and jackets are tropes in the movies because I don't wear either. He loves it. He always oh has the long God. gear on. And for a guy that likes to show his body off, yeah. he's doing a lot of cover-up in the heat. He is. He is. What, what so, was the go of the, the bib embraces into the back G-string is the only way I can describe the ensemble with the <laughs> with the high Harry Hyde pant 
uh, oh, yeah. slack pleats with the massive pleats and the black the, and the black formal belt. That was wow. I mean, that's not even a snapshot of 1989. That's just wow. That's just a snapshot of him. Yeah. I mean, the yeah, uh, yeah wardrobe on a $1.5 million budget, I, I guess you're not going to splurge. Side note, I saw in the – in the I don't know if you've been watching this defamation case uh, of Lisa Wilkinson and Channel 10 finding yes, out about this. Yes, yes, and listening yeah, a bit anyway, of Long story short, she had a $100,000 a year wardrobe as part of her contract. A hundred grand – just for clothes was uh, was part of her go. Jean Claude Van Damme was was uh, down to the Noosa <laughs> op shop to get that ensemble for fifty cents. So a hundred cents, hundred thousand dollars worth of clothes. What does a hundred thousand dollars worth of clothes look like? Please, please tell me. Uh, it's like uh, about twenty to thirty years. Cumulative, the three of us wouldn't have even come to half no. of that over the last forty no. years. Do you think she buys old Fitzy's bandanas in that hundred thousand? Oh, <laughs> mate, I reckon. Uh, yeah, she's just got a tea towel and she's trimming off the side bits for his bandanas. Uh, okay, now Eric, Eric is so super pumped that he's picked up a hooker right on the side of the road. He's like, it's 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 like he's Don Juan. And he's so he's like, how good am I going? She wants to make it with the champ. She wants to make it with the champ, mate. You first, okay. One, you got to be very, very careful about who you give flowers to, right? That's rule one. You do not need flowers to pick up a hooker. So I've been told. Okay, save flowers for special occasions, and fuck you, Sloane Nixon, before you say anything. Two, she's a hooker sitting out the front of a strip joint, and he has walked up to her and picked her up. It could have been a 700-year-old corpse and she would have gone home with him. Three, she wants to make it with the champ. No, mate, she doesn't. She wants your money. When John claude says, what's your wallet, that's the smartest thing he says in the whole movie. She can't speak English. <laughs> yeah, she's just, so like, he's, yeah, she's, she's just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. Okay. yeah, so anyway. Uh, I, uh, I, had a, a, I witnessed a similar incident in Macau when I was there in a, in a former, uh, a former life where I look, I won't name names, but one of the touring party strutted through the lobby of our hotel with two local new friends looking exactly like the champ, like he was killing it <laughs> <laughs> to another 50 of us sitting around enjoying a beer and just got absolute standing ovation just for the, the chutzpah. Of, of oh, dominating, incredible. <laughs> as if he had just met the uh, the Chinese princesses at a nightclub and uh, and and convinced them that he was to be the new prince. It was outstanding. So I can see that the the delusion is not not unique. Oh gosh, so funny, so funny. Uh, I've got in here two two movies in a row with incredibly pleated pants. We we won't go down that uh, path again. But the 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 back. The cast for his broken back in the hospital. He's on the trolley and he's got a cast which just covers the front of his body. Yeah. There's no, it doesn't go around him. It stops at the top of his shoulders. It doesn't cover his whole body. It's like, we're, I'll tell you what we're going to do, Eric. There's a new medical procedure. It's called the front cast for fixing broken backs. We're just going to cast the front of your body. Like, fucking hell. Couldn't they afford the whole thing? That's probably why he's not walking anymore. 
It's probably got something to do with it. It was something to do with it. So he turns up to Miley's. He gets sent shopping by Zian, and he turns up to Miley's shop, and she's. They meet. He's sort of trying to flirt with her. I think that's what it looked like. And she says, "Oh, this is my shop. This is all I have." Uh, and you know, it's 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 what provides. So then he proceeds to kick two people's ass and destroy the fucking shop. Yeah. All right. And and obviously he cost her a shit ton of money. Well, what did you want me to do? Yes. He's sleeping outside at Zien's. If he doesn't have malaria, I'm not here. We've all been to Southeast Asia and and that, and it is a mozzie fest. And you're coming home with something. He's sleeping on bamboo floors with nothing. It's a joke. Not even a mozzie net. Uh, The coconut. The coconut, it's got to be a pretty good drop. And you got to hope that the coconut isn't weighted too far on one side and doesn't swerve. Daniel, you know a bit about the swerve. If it swerves and it, if it's two inches out from the height that he is, that's going to straighten the Jets crackers. He's done. It's game over. What about it was about a the technical, technical shot? Yeah, the double up yeah. is that's harsh. That's, that's tough. That's tough. It's that funny was, though. That, yeah, absolutely. I've got the unnecessary acquisition in the park. Mate, how, how many have you got here? Oh, I could keep going. You've got about 12 in your list there. Yeah, no, no, I'm, I'm nearly done. Doing bad? I'm nearly uh, done. We're, we've got bad. <laughs> okay. So he, he fights one fight as a warm-up fight, and the crowd is already chanting Nuksu Kao. Yes. And then in the final fight, yeah, the crowd flips pretty fucking quickly. He's getting his ass kicked. He's getting his ass kicked, and then and then my Lee, who's a good fuck, uh, is going uh, Nuksu Kao. No, no, his brother comes in and goes Nuksu yeah. Kao. And then, and the, then whole the whole crowd, crowd flips, right? Flips. And then my last one, the crowd in the final flight, in the, in the final fight, it reeks of the extras in Braveheart. Right, there yeah. are people there that are like they don't even they don't even know what they're doing. They're not watching anything. It just reeks of the of the Braveheart extras. Anyway, there we go. That's my full list of bad. Now, ugly, uh, Daniel. Anything for ugly? Yeah, uh, the the final one. The screenwriter had a, a valiant attempt at raising the stakes right at the end when uh, the, he decided that the rape of my lead by. Tong Po was something that the film required in order to raise said stake for Jean-Claude Van Damme. Just awful. Uh, in uh, in the, the cold, 35 years later, I just was uh, aghast that it was even part of it. But what was even worse was, one, the muted response from the uncle when uh, she told him and he gave, yeah. he gave her a con- conciliatory hand pat and he's meant to be this kick-ass Muay Thai trainer. Uh, and it was like, oh, okay, you, you were raped. I was like, what the fuck is happening here? Yeah. But then it was topped by the even poorer explanation of my lead to Jean-Claude Van Damme, which is meant to raise the stakes. And it, poor old Jean-Claude Van Damme is not aware if they were boyfriend or girlfriend or yeah. if it was a rape yeah. with, with Chong Po. Yeah. So no, completely. Yeah, he just says what, what happened and she just cries. Yeah. So he's just figured yeah. all that well, out. Well, no, because, because this is my ugly where you bleed like my Lee. My Lee, good fuck. And so then he goes back. He goes back and he's like already got the shits with my Lee. And then yes. why wouldn't she go? Why wouldn't she go, Kurt? He raped me. Yeah. Yeah. Very, instead, very strange. Instead, he does, he still doesn't know whether he's sort of cheated on him or whatever he's done, whether there's any crossover. Who knows? It's so poorly so I, handled that whole thing. 
where I thought that may have gone is in the trope of he he's the bigger person and he, he wins the the battle, but then Tong Po comes at him with a knife or something and he has to kill him. And so they're, they're, he's, he's finally right. given the last excuse. So if, if that was the chain of events, I would have understood it. But it just seemed a real, real weird way to raise stakes and uh, and and has not aged well at all. So that, that well, was my first what? ugly. My Sorry, I was just going to say with that one because I think that they may have gone with it, but then John Claude sort of gone because he choreographed all this and he went, no, no, what we'll do is I'll go with the kick to the face and then we'll show me being able to keep my leg extended and then throw another kick off that just to showcase myself. I think that's where they went with it instead. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, you know, they no could have uh, like they could have very easily had like Tong Po ransack the shop and maybe slap her around a bit. I think yeah. the rape yeah. is the rape is so unnecessary. Absolutely. To build yeah. the stakes. And and I know we're looking yeah. at it from a 2024, but even at the time, I can remember sort of going, oh, that's a bit harsh. It's a bit grim. Yeah, a bit grim. And plus everyone knows uh, you don't have sex the night before a big fight. So <laughs> keep the seed. That's it. Uh, that was ugly. The only other one was, and it's something that comes up a lot in fight movies and, and definitely fight movies shot in Southeast Asia. Who is it that is choreographing the full arm pumps by the extras in the crowd? They just, they do not look like fight fans. It's not, they don't look like they're excited by the fight. They just look like someone's taken 30 seconds ago. Right, just get your right arm and just go like this. And that, that, that means that the fight is, is reaching its crescendo. What the actual fuck? Be yeah. better extras. Yeah, the extras are bad. They're brave heart extras. I'll, I'll tell you what, I was going to leave this for someone in another movie, but seeing we're hitting on the same genre, you got to go back and watch uh, when, when he wins the world title fight in the US at the start and the corner man. When the corner man, when they come out of the ring and um, Eric's being interviewed, he just stands behind him doing these sort of fist pumps. And then like, every time he's like, something, he just goes like this. And then when he asks him a question, he just does a weird face like, and that's, mate, he, he manages to overact it without saying a word. Yeah. It's yeah. it's really bad. you got to go back and have a look at it. Truly shit. It's a G-Man, talent. Ugly. It's a talent. Look, I, the ugly I had was um, was the hammy stretching. I remember that being, like, like we said, um, <laughs> Like we said with, you know, when Tong Po kicks the wall, I remember looking at that going, oh, that's brutal, like trying to rip the legs apart. As, yeah. as to, Somehow that's a means of being able to get better, you know, agility. Yes. Um, but, yeah, a bad scene. We didn't have that down at Triple C, I'll tell you what. No, you, wouldn't, you didn't have the ropes? No, no, we stopped at the noodles. Yeah. Probably just enough. Also, um, Eric's random grabbing of the nurse's ass. Unbelievable. In the in the scene, well, in the I've hospital. got yeah. Eric's a dick, yeah, an absolute dick. dick. <laughs> that was just random, yeah. not called for. No. Uh, okay, I've got. There are literally no good actors in this movie. There's not even like. There's no one with charisma. Like in Bloodsport, you got Jackson, who's got a bit of charisma. Yeah. There is no one that saves this movie. They are all shit. Taylor. Taylor is where abysmal. did they find Taylor? Oh yeah, mate, he oh. is abysmal. So the reason we didn't yeah. talk about Taylor in in ordinary people is because he literally did this movie and then he's done a smattering of one off TV shows and things like that. Like there's never there was never no. any like oh he was also in his, he he may have been in Kickboxer two and three Kickboxer six as well. I don't know, but <laughs> but yeah, only a smattering of performance oh, after. Fuck it, hell. 
Anyway, well done, gentlemen. That's it for good, the bad, the ugly. Now it is Dan's quick fire. Take it away. Yes, let's rip through this. So lookalikes first up. Obvious one is if I was able to grow a long <laughs> ponytail, I could do a passing yeah. resemblance of Tong Po. So there's the first morgues alike. Uh, any other lookalikes that that that's that sprung to mind for you guys? I don't know. If there's any really? No, I don't movie. think there's really any. I've nothing... left you. I'm going to leave you alone this week, Dan. I yeah. think. Generally, I find the ugliest person in the show and say it looks like Morgs, but I'm going to give you a, a, a bit of a pass today. I actually right, was going to say maybe, Eric, Eric, I reckon if you if you buffed up a bit, you could maybe, with a bit of a mo I pass for not, Eric. I, I actually thought Rick Sewell looked a bit like Eric with the uh, the solo yeah. do back yes. from, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. from 88. So there was there was definitely a lookalike there. Shout out to Rick Sewell, big uh, friend of the program. But uh, no, not look, not a lot of look like this week. Moving on now, this is a name change to say hello to my little friend, which is nice. for a scene that has passed into popular culture. I'm going to say no, there is no scene in this movie that has passed into popular culture, except the little palm tree scene is very popular amongst the three of us. Yes, yeah, and can he move like me? But that's just us. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's just that, us. the split. That, that. And if we talk about like oh. maybe popular culture for John Claude, the splits. Yeah. Like he does it in all his yeah, movies. Like he seems to work. That's a really fair point. Yeah. That's no, look, yeah. that, that's, a, that's a good point. Cause, and he was featured in that Volvo trucks ad not that long ago where he reprised the split oh, on the yeah. top of the truck. Did you see that? Yeah. That was, yes, that was yes, pretty, yes. that was pretty tick, tickstagrammable for there for a while. So yeah. All right. I'll accept both. Well done. Uh, moving forward, Philip Stuckey in Pretty Woman, Jason Alexander's douchebag character for the biggest douchebag in the Kickboxer. Um, I mean, look, Tong Po would be the obvious answer as are uh, the, the the two dudes that fix the fights. Anyone that really stuck out for you guys? Eric's a tool. Oh no, Eric is without a doubt the biggest dick in the movie. Yeah, I'll tell you I'll why. Here's it. my arguments for Eric. He's arrogant. He's far too arrogant for his skill set. He's a shitty brother. Yep. He pinching the ass of the nurse, claiming he's, you know, fucking uh, Errol Flynn when he takes the hooker back yeah. to the hotel. <laughs> Eric's a dick. Excellent. Yep. Cannot argue. Eric it is. Uh, next one up, the cast of Caddyshack for an actor or entire cast that aren't Quite sure what movie they're in and what tone they need to be playing. Look, it could be argued that the cast of Kickboxer is equal to the cast of Caddyshack in uh, Cluelessness, except with the lack of uh, Rack being the the, the <laughs> prime source of that cluelessness. Yes. Uh, any thoughts? Yeah. No, as I said before, only that the trainer, the trainer, was the, <laughs> he was the one out. But yeah, they could all be Morg. You're right. Let's run with that. The trainer was – now, I did read somewhere that quite a lot of the film was dubbed. Did you guys – I didn't I didn't notice that, though, in the in the revisit. Well, I didn't Henry Lee's voice Henry Lee's voice was dubbed, apparently. Right, okay. That would make yeah. sense. But I didn't um, – the, the trainer didn't seem to be dubbed. Neither did Miley. They seemed to be speaking English. No, they, yeah. they were speaking um, English, yeah. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'll, I'll give it to you, Gal. I'm not quite sure that uh, he knows what he's in. Uh, next up, uh, Olivia Newton-John, rest in peace, beautiful Olivia, 
for her cartwheel at the Pep Rally in Greece, which was an extremely poor show of athletic prowess. Was there anything equal to that in the film Kickboxer, Matthews? I'm, I'm going to go out and say Tong Po's performance in the final fight. He was tearing apart Kurt. In Unlosable that. And match. And then all of a sudden he walks in and bang, 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 and, and Kurt just absolutely annihilates him. There's no, there's no sort of fight back from there. He doesn't, he doesn't compete with him. So it kind of went from one to the other. And I know that Kurt was holding back because they thought he was going to kill his brother, but he went from like making his brother a paraplegic to not being able to fight at the end of that fight mm. after beating him up for two rounds. It's almost like the uh, the lead actor was involved in the choreography of the fight. <laughs> <laughs> I, I did. I did like in the final fight, Tong Po calling his shot. Yeah, you know, like okay, I'm just going to use hands now. Yeah. I'm going to use elbow. I'm going to use the knee. I thought that was really fucking cool. Uh, I'd forgotten about that. That's another thing that was for good. Yeah, no, that's. I, I agree with you. Last, oh, second last, Robot Sentries for an extra scene, a la our favourite Aliens, where we are given in the director's cut an extra scene that tells us a little bit more of the plight of what our characters are facing. Did you want to know any more about anyone in the 1989 film Kickboxer, Gal? No, only only Kurt's younger brother, or younger self, sorry. That's it. That's what we needed to see. I'm I'm so down with that. I think the uh, little Frank Dukes actor could have come back <laughs> and uh, and yeah. and just absolutely dominated that. And yeah, Mini Frank could have reprised his role as worst ever child actor. Did I? I think I talked about it the other day that I've um, I've come around on Australian child actors thanks to Boy Swallows Universe, the the limited yes, series yeah, that's yeah. been on Netflix. Excellent. All the kids in it are excellent. I'm sorry for slating. Every every Australian actor, child actor since Sweet Sweet, not Sweet Valley High, Secret Valley, <laughs> Sweet Valley High. Used to read those um, books. Yes, there. I think I may have. Yeah. Anyway, yes, I agree. We don't really want to know about anything about the universe of the kickboxer. Is finally, uh, Whitey's Brad Pitt. Now I'm going to fuck this up royally, but it is for the actor you'd most like to. Hi, Tay, Texalong, Tai Hanya, Hemar, Brad Pitt. Which is a very poor attempt at the Thai language for most like to make a fuck with Brad Pitt on. So, my absolute apologies. I, I listened to it on Google Sounds about 20 times, but uh, the, the nervousness has got the back of me. I was not trying to appropriate the Thai language, I merely fucked it up. Uh, gentlemen. <laughs> Anyone in this film that you felt was worthy? Any of the hookers at the start that you think you may have strutted around oh, about with? It was funny, and I, I I really kept an eye out for this. They, and it's in general, most women performing on a stage are disinterested in what's going on, and they were exactly the same. They were completely disinterested, and whether they just rocked in it was, uh, you know, they filmed some real people up there dancing, which I'm sure they did. It's it's look it's obviously it's got to be Miley because um you know Miley's a good fuck <laughs> so like wow <laughs> uh yeah look we're, we're not it is a, it is a, a festival de la sausage throughout yeah. uh, the the dick fest Miley definitely super pretty I'll accept that for sure that yep. is quick fire well done gentlemen congratulations and we we're moving into listen. To this, uh, G-Man. I don't really have a lot here. Um, just a couple. We've already said all the fight scenes were choreographed and directed by Jean-Claude. 
and uh, and his mate Tong Po was a choreographer as well on the movie. Uh, one thing was that Chuck Norris was an original choice to star as Kurt's line. Yeah, yeah, which would have been interesting as yeah. as opposed to it's a different movie, brother. Yeah, it's a different movie with him in it. But anyway, yeah, that's me quickly. Daniel, you got anything? I, I would I would go so far as to say that uh, JCVD makes Chuck Norris look like Daniel Day Lewis. So it would have been a definitely. A, a different movie, and and Chuck does have some uh, some more acting chops for sure. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But look, if you've ever seen the Octagon, you'll know that's true. It kills it in that. Absolutely nails it. The uh, the only other one I had was that in certain territories, the marketing geniuses, refer, especially in Europe, didn't name this film Kickboxer, but called it Karate Tiger Three. <laughs> yes. Good nice. name. Good name. Yeah. Oh, that's just got me uh rocking down to Roma Starkers with my eleven dollars fifty to check it out for sure. Definitely. Principal photography lasted three weeks and thirty-five days. <laughs> Fifty-six days. We're bringing that one back. That's it's yeah. a long time in the making. You uh you watch us here when we had the three weeks and twenty-one days. Uh, but uh, three weeks and uh, 35 days for uh, 56 days in total. Getting the coverage really on those fight scenes does yeah. take a lot of time, though. That that certainly is not unexpected because the the changing of angles and, and making sure you're getting the reverse shots and everything in the in the fight scenes can take a, a few days for each of those big fights. So uh, that that yep. is not not uh, it's it, it's it's not not understandable. Yep, fair enough. So uh, let me let me hear you think. Well, let me hear what you think about. This. Let me <laughs> let me hear you think. Right, it's, I'm getting deep. Okay, in a 2022 interview, screenwriter director Sheldon Ledich revealed that the original script for the film had Kurt Sloan defeating Tong Po in an American kickboxing match at the beginning. Po then followed Sloan home and accidentally killed his mother while attacking him in revenge for the loss. Jesus. This would have this would have been the impetus for Sloan to journey to Thailand to gain revenge on Poe. Ledich hated this idea, especially that the mother the mother would have been fatally kicked in the head while carrying a plate of cookies. <laughs> and wrote up a treatment which made it Poe crippling Kurt's brother Eric in a match that was the reason for revenge. Which do we prefer? Do we prefer mum being kicked carrying the cookies or the, the paraplegicness of Eric? The paraplegic and raping of the girlfriend. Well, that's way better. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yeah. Change. It's 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 well, no, no, it's number B for me. Thank you. Yes. Yes. Okay. So then finally, finally, when Kurt is loading Eric into the van on the stretcher after he's broken back, his feet are sticking out the end of the stretcher. When they put him in the back of the van, he then pulls his feet inside the van so they can close the doors because his feet are hanging out of the van. <laughs> but he's paralysed. There's a, there's a lot going on. A lot Fucking going on hell. in this movie. Fucking hell. Quoterables. G-Man. To me, we've already said them. Can, can he move? No way. Can he move like yeah. me? Yeah. We got him. Um, and little Whittle Palm Tree, and they're the only two that come out to me. Whittle Palm Tree is something that we have used for a long time. I still use it myself. 
uh, Whittle Palm Tree, very funny. Daniel? No, nah, yeah, I, only Gao. Gao, I can just see Gao's massive baby teeth, uh, the the Lauren Lauren Hutton gap, just telling me, <laughs> can he move like me? <laughs> For many, many, many years. Well done, G-Man, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I've got to say, Zien has some pretty like profound statements, very Miyagi-esque. You know, I tell them, <laughs> I tell them you say they know good fighters, that their mothers have sex with mules. Yeah. And, and then, and yeah, then, but they had to, it, it definitely like they, they did try and instill some comedy, and I did chuckle at a few of those, but it was definitely just a, a weird, weird, weird use of tonal changes. So ah, whatever. And, you know, it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. And then and then just on the palm tree, that Zien, when he sort of quits, when he's had enough, and he goes. Winner, palm tree. <laughs> uh, oh God. It's so bad. It's so bad. Uh, okay. There is no one degree of Kurt Russell. He would not have lowered himself anywhere to be in any area. He wouldn't have even worked in the same studio lot as anyone in these films. So we're going to move on. <laughs> Film school for F-Wits. Take it away, Dan. Yes. Thank you, Fwitz. A real quick one this week. This week's film school for Fwitz, it's really just a plea for either Mark DeSala, who was the, the producer slash assistant director on this film in 1989. He's probably getting a bit long in the tooth now, but whoever is the 2024's version of Mark DeSala, I need a producer for one of my scripts. My scripts are infinitely better than the kickboxer script. Uh, they're sports movies. They focus on cricket and freestyle motocross, uh, two, two separate films. I've got them ready to go. If you want to make a great film, far better than kickboxer, give me a call. Thank you. Well, you could remake Double Fattiness. <laughs> it's, I'm intrigued by that uh, that name, how that got through the produ- the production meeting. But, uh, yeah, Double Fattiness is, is exceptional. And I think also that I, I've got no doubt that you're uh... – your scripts are twice as good as this, and the and actually, you know, the reverse of of this movie. Are you still working on that one called Box Kicker? <laughs> Close. <laughs> oh, good friend of the podcast was involved in a uh, a film with a similar title from a, a different genre. I'll leave it at that. But no, look, it's difficult to make films these days as a, as a writer of uh fiction that isn't isn't that doesn't have anything to do with people in tights and and the universe and meteors and mcu it's difficult to get our films made so we just need a brave producer and i guarantee you a better film than kickbox i guarantee it yeah i got no doubt it would be star of the show Daniel, while you're on a roll, who are you picking? Uh, look, Jean-Claude Van Damme, turn the sound off, and this guy is a movie star. He looks amazing. I can understand why he was chosen to be a movie star simply from his roundhouses and from his static kicking. Uh, excellent. Very, very, very pleasing to the eye. The muscles from Brussels, well played, sir. Yeah, well done. G-Man? This is a tough one. I, I went back and forth on it. The dance scene is incredible it makes me laugh every time i watch it <laughs> oh, i love getting the little the little uh text every now and then with that dance scene from whitey involved oh mate i'll just come across it and i'm yeah. like god it's the gift that keeps on giving it is it is but 
what I've gone for this time, I've gone for I've gone for a little different. I've gone for Ella Yu. Her name is Ella Yu. She is the costume designer and fashion designer for the movie. <laughs> um, she's responsible for JCVD's great outfits, so she wins star of the show. Yeah, because well, he has got some crackers. Yeah, good work. Uh, Daniel's right. I think we talked about this in Bloodsport as well. That he's obviously John Claude Van Damme is a superstar. But sadly, in this movie, being given a bit more range and a bit more opportunity to show his chops, I think the only chops he's got is the one that's tied to his waist that the dog chases him trying to get. It'll make you run faster. Yes. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to... I'm. To be fair, this was early in his it's career. The, oh, no, it's it was early, early, but he, early he's career. better in Bloodsport than he is in this. Yeah. I'm going with Stan Bush. He's my yeah. star of the show. Good work. And only because it's not, a, it's not his highest of highs, Stanley. But I'm telling you what, it's best. It's the best part of this movie. Well, uh, the I'm going gonna, gonna to change my vote to Stan Bush. I think that's a really good call, and I I am going to do the Stan Bush kick-ass credit song this week because we couldn't go through a film like Kickboxer where Stan Bush is the star of the show and not pay homage to the finest purveyor of kick-ass credit songs that ever was born and whoever sung blisteringly into a microphone. So is now a good time to do kick-ass credit song? There is no better time than now for kick-ass credit song. Daniel, take it away. What have you got? Yes, my kick-ass credit song this week is, of course, couldn't go past the title of Whittle Palm Tree. Whittle Palm Tree, kick-ass credit song in a beautiful homage to our hero, Stan Bush, who is the reason behind this segment that we've been doing for how many episodes now? This is episode number 94. Wowzers! So there's uh, a few a few mishits, but it's got to be in the eighties, so or at least seventies of kick-ass credit songs. So this one's for you, Stan. Here we go, Whittle Palm Trees. In '89, the screen lit bright with fists and feet. In the night, Van Damme's fight, a warrior's plight. In Kickboxer, courage took flight. In '89. A tale was spun of battles fought neath the blazing sun. Van Damme's spirit, fierce and bold, in kickboxer, stories untold. From Bangkok streets to the arena's glare, a journey marked by blood and despair. Each blow exchanged, a dance cop won in the shadows of the setting sun. Beneath the stars where dreams ignite in the land of the little palm tree. Courage rises like waves at sea in Kickbox's legacy. <laughs> Underneath the moonsoft glow where the white warriors come and go. In the land of the little palm tree, strength rises wild and free. Well done, Daniel. That was really good, Morgs. That, well that was very good. Did you, uh, was that written prior to the event? Or have you written that oh, during the been... podcast? I've just been typing away whilst you guys have been gibbering because uh, I, I, I didn't think we were doing paying enough respect to Stan Bush on this particular I episode. Love that. So well thank done, you. Hopefully well we, yeah, ho- hopefully we've we fixed that. So there you go, Whittle Palm Tree, Whittle Palm Tree, and a good a time as any to head into the Rank Bank, where straight off the top of the pile, Whittle 
palm trees. trees. That's it. That's what it is. And we'll, I shall go through the rest of the list, though, in case something uh, tickles your fancy, but we know it's going to be little palm trees. Highfield high pants. That's a good one. <laughs> Shout Pink. out to Jeffrey J. Well played. Jeffrey J. Jeffrey J. Pink pussies. Kitten candy clubs. Pole dancers. Incredibly bad dance scenes. Freddie Lee's. Resin and glass wraps. Good fucks. Yes. <laughs> the resin and glass wrap was an interesting uh, plot device that in, in the end. So I definitely made it up the brutality, but I'm, it didn't feel like it was an ancient <laughs> an, an, no. an, an ancient no. ritual. No, De- definitely a screenwriter ritual design for, what, they, for this they, film. They smashed so, up enough yeah. glass, a lot of grass. A lot oh, of yeah, glass. over the top. And grass. No, it got it. A lot of grass. grass. Got it. Got to be Whittle Palm Tree. (laughs) Okay. How many Whittle Palm Trees are you giving Kickboxer G-Man? I gave Bloodsport 2.5 and I gave Roadhouse 2.5 and I can't see this being as good as those. Yeah. So that being my level, I'm going to give it 2.25. Yeah. I love love your uh, thought process there. Daniel, how many Whittle palm trees for this gem? Yeah, look, th- this is the worst film we've ever reviewed for sure. It, it does not <laughs> bode well for it in, in a revisit some 35 years after. Uh, I, I was carried by a wave of nostalgia in the first few minutes of the viewing and mostly because of the G-Man's head, but uh, I, I can't give it any more than a two. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm Marie Kondoing this officially. I, I bid you farewell, Kickboxer. This will be my last viewing, and uh, you have given me a little bit of giggling, but that is about it. On 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 your bike, uh, jog on. Okay, well done. Uh, look, I, I'm I'm with you, Gow. I I went back and had a look about what I what I gave those two movies, and I gave Bloodsport three, which was nostalgia, purely nostalgia for me. I gave Roadhouse two, and I think I was. Now that I look at this, yeah. I, I'm going to have to change my vote because you need it to be lower than that, don't you? I need it to be lower than that. Yeah, and I'm okay. And I'm gonna. I did have two point five. Oh, there's, hey, there's no, there's no market fixing here. You've got to no, go with not, what you're. Uh, no, no there's was. not. And no, but I, I'm thinking as we've spoken about it, I had dropped my score and kept dropping my score as we were going through. And I have the sheet open here, and I, I'm going to give it one point seven five. I'm going to give it 1.75. I didn't – this is not a pinch on Bloodsport, this movie. No. And this is true. not – this is not the worst movie we've done, Daniel. It is the equal second worst movie that I have reviewed on this oh, podcast. Oh, there you go. There you Can't go. Buy Me Love is still the worst movie we've done on this fucking podcast. Oh, okay. Well, you gave Rebel Moon the 1.75. 1.75, exactly right. So Right. Well, I'll, I'll never watch that, so I'll have to take your word for it. Yeah. But if someone said to me, you've got to watch either Kickboxer or Can't Buy Me Love, ooh. That's a hard, it's a hard decision. Yeah. I'm taking Kickboxer. I'm taking Kick. Can't Buy Me Love was a travesty. Yeah, travesty. yeah it's difficult, difficult to disagree. Well, okay. I'd like to so I'd like to say that, that that when we talk about that, that Whitey's change has put – Kickbox it into two Whittle palm trees. Yes. And that's above Rebel Moon with, well, 1.88, whatever it got. Got nothing. Got nothing. Shit and movies. then obviously Can't Buy Me Love got 
1.5 dump bar- dump rag berets. <laughs> so this was this was now right below right below Roadhouse at 2.17 torn larynxes and below Bloodsport and the Golden Child on 2.5 each. So it is our number 87 movie. It's quite funny when you look at how we did is that Golden Child was the second movie we did. Bloodsport was the seventh movie we did. Roadhouse was the 10th movie we did. And I reckon we were, we hadn't really found our groove yet. No, we were quite harsh. We were very harsh at some of them. Yeah. We were pretty harsh at the mm. start. Like, and you can look like Lost Boys was the 14th movie we did. And it, it's got three maggot fried rice. And we all gave it three each. And it's probably, it might be better than that, Lost Boys. Yeah. I'm thinking about it. But that is it. It sits probably where it should. Two whittle palm trees right down the arse end of the rank bank. Okay, if you loved Kickboxer, got anything? Oh, yeah, the perfect weapon, Jeff Speakman. Oh, great the perfect <laughs> weapon. Great call. I knew Good you'd excel here, G Money. Well done. That's well done. great. The, the perfect weapon. What a cracker. Well done. I haven't, I haven't seen that movie in so long. Jeff Speakman, what a name. Yeah. What a name. He was a weapon too. He was the perfect weapon. Daniel? Yeah, I look like for like. So I, I my instinct says just watch any American Ninja with Michael Dudikoff, but Michael Dudikoff had no kickboxing skills whatsoever. He just had a smoldering view down the camera lens that was uh, that, that was <laughs> intoxicating for a young Daniel Morgan. Uh, I would say then check out a Chuck Norris flick. Any of them will do, just because that guy actually can act a little bit and can kickbox a lot. So go forth and Chuck Norris. Yeah, yeah good it, call. It, it's hard to argue with that. Oh, the octagon, an eye for an eye. There's, yeah. there's Anything. Good ones yeah. out there. Oh, Lone Wolf, the, the, Lone Wolf McQuaid. There's a great Chuck Norris one called Silent Rage, which yes. is very yes. good. That's a good I one. It's that. like yeah. a, ter- a Terminator yeah. guy, big guy. It's really, really good. It's well worth a watch. I'm with you. Just watch any of them. Look, watch anything other than Kickboxer, anything. It's not worth your time again. It really isn't. Gentlemen, uh, I, I appreciate Daniel. It's been a, a very heavy workload for you this week. I appreciate the time given to Born Mate, to Watch as our, I need a break. our listeners. Yep, and uh, you'll be getting some time off now. Uh, next week, uh, we're doing something a little out of the ordinary, and Gow missed out on this episode, but five guilty pleasures, Daniel, myself, and Damo. A couple of us took it how many, sort of seriously, how many, and another one of us. <laughs> how, many, how, many, how many do you reckon I did, Gow? You're meant to do five. Yeah. So it's quite funny. But just, just so that people know what they're getting themselves into, Daniel thought that because we started with the number five, there had to be five movies. For the number four, there had to be four movies. For the number three, there had to be three movies. So Daniel did like 74 guilty pleasures, essentially. Uh, but it was fun. Uh, Damo came up with some absolute gold. At the end of the episode, Damo, we, yeah. We, Damo, very, yeah, we then, very good, yes. We then actually voted on the guiltiest of pleasures that we all spoke about. And you will be surprised who won. It's I think shocking. that's going to be a really good Shocking. Point, I can't look him in the eye, the person who chose this film. So it's, it's <laughs> shocking, F-wits. Get ready. It is. It is. Until next week, share to three friends. Keep the love going. It's been an absolute pleasure, gentlemen. That's bye for now. See ya. Bye, team. See in Kickbox's legacy. <laughs> Underneath the moonsoft glow where the white warriors come and go. In the land of the little palm tree, strength rises wild and free.
Thank you for listening to this episode of Born to Watch. To join us on our journey into some of our favourite movies of all time, you can find us on all good podcast networks like Spotify and Apple Podcasts. If you like what you hear, give us a five-star review and share with your friends.